Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Happy birthday, Matt. You're it late. was your birthday Friday. It was my birthday Friday, even though technically we're recording this before my birthday. So <laughs> it's think about that. It's always your birthday. Yeah, I'm turning. <laughs> now, I'm turning 29. Everyone assumes that I'm way older anyway, based on my general appearance. So... <laughs> But you're just going to Benjamin Button all of them. People will start thinking you're younger than you are. Are you doing anything special for your birth? Mostly I'm thinking about the food that I will be eating. Beautiful. But anyway, let's get into today's episode. We're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the worst news of the week. After that, we are diving deep into the things that are scientifically engineered to make us weep. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster ride. Six Flags is going to want to erect a ride in mine own honor after this, and I'll never ride it because I'll puke. And we all know that I take great pride in my no puke streak, all right? It's been over a year February 17th, 2018. 18. And finally, we've got Dwayne Perkins as our guest complainer. Dwayne's a hilarious stand-up comedian. He's a writer. And we have so much to talk about, mainly Beyonce, but also everything. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's grab the nearest box of tissues and start the show. All right. Worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. A South Carolina woman says that a package stolen from her front porch might contain nine tarantulas. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. I feel like the might in the sentence is that it might have been stolen, but it definitely contained nine tarantulas. Still not great. Uh, The spiders are valued at $1,000. Each? No, I think it's total. That's still a lot. I'd like pay someone $1,000 to kill a tarantula that's in my house. Yeah. I mean, same. I would pay $1,000 for someone to burn down my house if there was a single tarantula (laughs) spotted within distance of the door. My cousin used to have a tarantula and he just had a baby. The tarantula or the human? Both, I'm sure. (laughs) No, my cousin. Did he name his kid tarantula? It would have been better. Basically, this woman got a notification from FedEx that it had been delivered, and then she got home and was like, oh, no, where's my fucking spiders? Gone. That person, I hope, whoever stole the tarantula, they learned a lesson. 
about stealing so. people's packages. What if they have like a weird sexual spider fetish, though? If that was the best package they could ever open. Congratulations, Immediate then. Immediate ejaculation. You open that up. Bam. (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) Honestly, the most upsetting thing is that anybody would order spiders. Don't ever. Yo. (laughs) What are you doing this for? And where from? Who is farming tarantulas? And then sending them in the mail. That doesn't seem right. I feel like, is that one of the things that they like freeze? Is that a thing? What? (laughs) And then like they freeze and then they go to sleep. And then when you get them, you like uh, you thaw them out. In the microwave? And then they wake up. And then you have a Hot Pocket. A delicious eight-legged Hot Pocket. Next! A court judge in Louisiana, according to court logs, uh, ordered that a man's mouth be taped shut because he was repeatedly interrupting proceedings. That's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a story that's fucked. Yeah. It is pretty scary that judges can just do whatever they want. Judge Judy? what, What, do you think they're the judge? Judge Judy can do whatever she wants. To me. And nobody can say anything because she is above the law. (laughs) Have you seen pictures of her in like a bikini? Hell yeah, I have. (laughs) (laughs) She keeps it tight, okay? I was listening to an episode of uh, This American Life. Heard of it? Yeah, heard of it. Wow. <laughs> it's a little a little smaller than Unhappy Hour. <laughs> but uh, they were doing this interview with uh, David Sedaris walking around Paris. And he there's this point where he's like, <gasps> and he's like, that's Judge Judy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this like pure sense of, oh, my God, what is he so excited that what did he is just Is it the see? Eiffel Tower? <laughs> so much more powerful nope, than that. It's just Judge Judy. <laughs> but this was not Judge Judy. This was not Judge Judy. This was most likely a white man, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, Judge Marilyn Castle. <gasps> wow. Twist. A woman (laughs) asked him to stop submitting motions on his own behalf instead of through his attorney. That'll get you. Have you seen a little thing called Big Little Lies? Because Nicole Kidman defended herself. Maybe he was just taking a a tip from Nicole. And she possibly won that case, depending upon how much you've watched of Big Little Lies. Do you watch it? I haven't seen the second season yet. Okay, well, fuck off. All right. I just, yeah, she literally had him ordered that his mouth be taped shut. Wait, so she actually, they did it? She didn't just, like, say it flippantly? After repeatedly requesting for the man to be quiet, the judge ordered the bailiff to tape his mouth shut. The tape was removed (gasps) after an objection from the man's public defense attorney. Oh, that's fucked up. Who requested that the judge remove his client from the courtroom instead. Yeah. I, I just thought that she was saying it. Why don't you just have him, it? like, flayed? Why don't you just oh, peel his, his nails off? That this is... is not fucking Game of Thrones. You can't just do whatever the fuck you want. But if you're Judge Judy, like, you totally can. Yeah. That's fine. What do you, what do you think this is? A, a court in Florida? Another public defender in the courtroom faces contempt charges for recording the incident. <laughs> I'm laughing, but also this is, like, barbaric and, like, dictator shit. That's why it makes me so angry when people defend stuff like this by being like, well, then just keep your mouth shut or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, don't treat yeah. people like this. It's also like people. It's the same thing about I mean, this is just uh, like me being a, going on a liberal tangent. But like when people are like, oh, who cares if like the government spies on you? Don't do anything bad. It's like you're fighting for like the gray area. OK, get on a side. <laughs> That didn't really make sense. But anyway. Next! A woman is vandalizing a town in Australia uh, with a message that keeps saying, Chris, you need to talk to me before the baby is born or don't bother after. These messages are being spray painted all over this town. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And uh, all of these messages, they got posted on Facebook and all these people are like, Chris, can you please talk to her before she destroys the entire city? (laughs) I don't, this is fuck. This is like next level. I mean, first of all, Chris, if you're listening, you should (laughs) talk to this woman. If she's that desperate um, to be spray painting a message all over town, maybe talk to her. Also, what if he's out of town? though oh yeah she's got to go to other counties i hope that she attempted to reach out to him in other ways i'm assuming she did 
It just reminds me of like when uh, you break up with someone or so I'm, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you try to reach out to them and every like people have to block them on like Venmo because mm-hmm. you get. Yeah. People go crazy. This is a great case for season three of American Vandal. Sure. Sure. This woman. Yeah. <laughs> who I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious who did it. Um, <laughs> and it's Chris's girlfriend, <laughs> ex-girlfriend, most likely. Uh, the mayor says council acted quickly to remove the graffiti from affected areas. It would encourage those involved to consider more constructive and less illegal ways of communicating in the future. No Boring. Shit. Do you think this was her first option? Probably not. I bet Chris is an asshole. Okay. I bet Chris deserves it. I also feel like she maybe shouldn't be around spray paint <laughs> as a pregnant woman. <laughs> Next. A woman from Indiana almost lost her leg because of a bacterial infection that she got after a dip in a hotel hot tub. What? What? (laughs) Oh, excuse me. The contraction occurred in Tennessee while she was on a trip with her husband and two children. So not, she's from Indianapolis, but the infection occurred in Tennessee. Mm. So watch out. It does not say what hotel it is. So if you're ever staying at a hotel <laughs> anywhere in Tennessee, good luck. I know that's the first thing you do when you go to a hotel. Get in the hot tub. Yeah. I I mean, I think baths are generally disgusting. The only baths I took in my own apartment, which I've lived in for three years, was in the first like month. And then it got too gross. And I was like, I'll never get this bathtub clean enough to where I feel comfortable sitting in it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then I've a couple times done a bath at hotels, but I just can't, I can't shake the feeling. Yeah. That like I'm sitting in other people's juice. Ugh. Basically, this woman took a dip in a hot tub. She said her ankle started to swell. The pain started getting worse. They were like, yeah, it's probably like a a hot tub rash. (laughs) (laughs) Totally regular thing. Yeah, it started getting worse. And it all bumpy and itchy and pus-filled blisters. Uh, And then it started to grow. She needed a wheelchair. Then it started to turn black. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, and her skin started to, like, actually die. Uh, Anyway, she's still healing, um, which is great. Uh, She did not die. She did not lose her legs as of yet. Super uplifting story. I haven't been in a hot tub in, like, forever. My, My cousins used to have one. And it was always, like, I think it's only enjoyable if it, like, is kind of cold out. Yeah. But also, I don't like that idea so it's never enjoyable i feel feel like it's just like baths where like you get in and it's like this is so hot yeah i feel like i'm literally like boiling yeah like a soup you're a little lobster this is how a boiled potato feels a nice delicious boiled potato and finally this story a bunch of people tagged us in um British media have reported that six people were assaulted on board a cruise ship after a passenger dressed as a clown sparked a brawl. Oh, a brawl. Clown brawl. Clown brawl. Um, An ITV journalist who was traveling on board said that uh, security had to be rushed to the buffet restaurant on board after the late night melee. Melee? 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 My lay. My lay. My lay. Remember that song? I just, it makes me think of like Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Melee. Melee. Tell me about the clowns. Uh, I just love that it happened at the buffet late at night. Where else is a fight going to happen on a cruise ship? Nowhere. Okay. This is where the shit goes down. Have you ever been on a cruise? Nope. That sounds pretty awful. Yeah. This is why I've never been on a cruise. The New York Post says that it was a bloody mass brawl after someone in a clown costume showed up at a black tie dinner on board. This was a black tie buffet. That's my kind of night. That is my (laughs) kind of night. It's me. I'm confessing. I was the clown. Um the journalist who was there says or tweeted, uh, there was blood everywhere. Witnesses told me that they were so frightened they had to hide as family groups fought. Jesus Christ. 
There was a person dressed as a clown, and this upset the other passengers. Things got out of hand very quickly. People had been drinking, and there was a fight. Chairs and plates were being thrown. People were very angry. It was shocking to see. It's more more devastating than the uh, brawl between Titanic and that iceberg, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a brawl! (laughs) Staff said that they'd never experienced anything like it, and those behind the violence were confined to a cabin for the last day of the cruise. Yeah, that's uh, that's what happens on a cruise. You do something wrong, and then you get put in jail. You get put under cruise arrest, where you have to hide in your own house. <sighs> a few drunk idiots ruined it. This also just sounds like a typical night in, in the UK. This is just British culture. If I've learned anything about my few times in the UK, this is British culture. Sure. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we are venting about the things that supposedly make us feel good, but really they just make us sob. Like that hot tub in Tennessee. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. All right. Well, it's the middle of summer, at least here in New York. Shout out to our Australian listeners. Hey. Who are I mean, kicking oh, it. <laughs> They're kicking it in winter right now. I see you and I support you. Usually, I reach the depths of my depression in the wintertime when that sweet, sweet seasonal affective disorder makes us all fucking sad. So technically, this time of the year should be the opposite. But... Things are still trying to make us sad all the time. A lot of stuff, actually. So many things are specifically made to make us sad. So today we are diving deep into things designed to make us cry because I've had enough of all of them. First, any movie about a dog. I don't care what the fuck it's about. I don't care if the dog lives or dies. All right? If you make a movie about a dog, you can go fuck yourself. Every movie about a dog is bad, eh? We peaked, we peaked at Airbud. Okay. That's literally what I was That's about fine. to say. <laughs> we peaked at Airbud. Even that Homeward Bound was designed to make you cry. Yeah, Homeward Bound is also good. Okay. Oh, that was before. I'm sorry. That was before Airbud. They should have stopped the Airbud franchise at one, too. There's like Airbud Air like 17 at this point. <laughs> Gotta go through all the sports. Also, stories about how the animals who play those characters are dead now. Yeah. It's like, all right, we know they're fucking dead. They're dogs. <laughs> they live they like, live like years seven at years. Most. Yeah. <laughs> no, dogs live like one, two, two months tops. What? Don't tell me this. When Putty started getting gray hair on his face, I googled how early do black dogs get gray hair? Because I don't know how old he is. They said around two to three years, and that's how old I think he is. So we're fine. We're fine, folks. Don't worry. My mom had me help her fill out an application for a dog. Oh! But the pictures that she saw, the dog was wearing like a sweater, and she was like, if it's hiding some like skin disease, I'm not getting it. It's like, all right, harsh, but fair. Next, videos of people who are hearing for the first time. Oh, no. (laughs) Have you seen these? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. It's a lot of times it's like babies who are born with a hearing problem and then they get like an implant or, uh, or something or they have a surgery and then they like hear their mom for the first time. It's just weird to me. <laughs> Sometimes it's adults. I mean, that is in the category of like, this is heartwarming and right. cool for them. <laughs> <laughs> and like makes you feel good about the world. But also I'm like, this is just designed to make me cry. Yeah. You watch it and you're like, great. <laughs> Here's a jar <laughs> full of my tears. Next, the book Tuesdays with Maury. <laughs> okay. Fuck Maury. <laughs> And fuck the guy who wrote it. Tuesday, I think his name was. I remember reading that when I was a kid. I was a very sensitive child. Yeah. I liked reading books about um, just grown men talking with their old professors who are dying. Yep. <laughs> Did you ever read Tuesdays with No, I remember all the all the hub about it. Yeah. Hub? All the hullabaloo? All the, all the hubbub? Hubbub. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't actually really remember what the plot was besides that this guy's college professor was Are you dying. about to pull Tuesdays with Maury out of your bag? Tuesdays with Maury can suck my dick, okay? <laughs> what is the one with the dog that has a similar name? Wednesdays with Fido? Marley and Me. I always in my mind confuse Tuesdays with Maury and Marley and Me. <laughs> I'm. You know what? I would see a, a movie adaptation of Tuesdays with Maury performed by dogs. I do think that movie exists. What? I I thought they made a... They made a Marley and Me movie. They did not make Tuesdays with Maury as performed by dogs. Not that exact movie. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, Tuesdays with Maury... Have you read a book and cried? I mean, yeah. Like what? Harry Potter. Ugh. What? What? When Dobby dies? Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think. That's like the most memorable. Yeah. That one that I cried. But I also read that with my dad. So I feel like I remember it more because it was like being read aloud. Yeah. I I don't cry a lot reading books. Yeah. I cry watching anything and everything. What is the last piece of art? That made you cry. Easy Downton Abbey trailer when we were seeing The Lion King, <laughs> followed by the Mulan trailer, which also made me cry. You were witness. That was last week. Uh, okay, fair. That was more like, yeah, surprise. Or do you think you would cry every time you were I would cry every time. <laughs> I, one of the most memorable is in Jurassic Park when he sees the brontosaurus for the first time. It gets me every time I cry. Every time. Because it's just so beautiful. I cry a lot in like beautiful moments where I'm, I get overwhelmed by other people's joy and excitement and wonder. I cry. I might have said this in the past. I cry at the end of Broadway shows when they come out and do like their bows. Yeah. Because it's just like they did it. They did such a good job. <laughs> and everybody is like excited for them. They're, like standing up. Yeah. I've only been to one show that did not end in a standing ovation <gasps> on Broadway. Oh my and it God. felt weird. That was... is weird. Which is, like, probably most shows on Broadway, but I only go to ones that, like, have been around for a while because I don't support the arts (laughs) unless they've been proven. (laughs) (laughs) Next! Queer Eye! Oh. Every episode, fuck Queer Eye. Not actually. I do love Queer Eye. But sometimes they do shit where I'm like, you, you're just twisting it. You're just clamping onto my nipple, the nipple of my tear duct. And twisting it till it bleeds tears. The one episode in particular that I remember I watched on an airplane, which is a mistake, because there is something about the pressure of the altitude in airplanes that makes you more uh, emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. My boyfriend cried at the end of... horny. Oh. My boyfriend cried at the end of the Mr. Rogers documentary when we were on a plane together, and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced with you. I specifically have not watched the documentary because I know it will make me cry. It was like beautiful tears. It was it was a good cry. Yeah. But that's exactly what we're complaining about. So right. add that to the list. Uh, the, the specific episode of Queer Eye was one about a single dad who's white. <clears throat> <laughs> that was a, uh, an oncoming burp, not me breaking down into sobs, <laughs> uh, about a guy whose wife uh, died from cancer, like, not that long before they filmed. So it was like he'd sort of let himself and his, like, you know, like, taking care of the house and all of that stuff go because he had to take care of his kids and all of this stuff. And uh, the specific moment was they, Bobby, who does all of the work. Yep. He designed this, like, dresser set for all of their, like, old memories. The The saddest part was that the mom, uh, she knew she was going to die. And so she wrote letters to her. She wrote for every birthday. She, like, filled out a card for them. Oh, I, like, can't God. even talk yeah, about I it. Know. <laughs> uh, and so she signed it, like, love mom or whatever. And they took that signature and, like, had it blown up and made, like, put onto the wood and I was like I can't even that's manipulative to me as a viewer I'm glad that they found their joy <laughs> and they have that but also I feel weird watching this happen but yeah that is like a sweet thing but I'm like even even reciting it is cruel and I tried watching that on an airplane <laughs> And, like, boogers were falling from my nose, and I had to stop. The first season of Queer Eye, I also watched on an airplane, and I feel like the flight attendants were, like, looking at me. (laughs) 
And we're like, we might have to call someone. That was the time that I got upgraded and was in one of those jet blue seats that has like a <gasps> door. Yes. And they serve you ice cream. What the fuck? I was eating an ice cream sundae just oh, sobbing. Sponsor us, JetBlue. <laughs> JetBlue Mint. It's only like four grand if you pay for it yourself, which I never will. Next, videos of dogs reuniting with war veterans. <laughs> it's just like, now we're just mad living things that make you uh, cry. Any really any type of reunion video, I'm not a fan of. No. Like, specifically, yeah, there is like veteran return. It's just propaganda. It's put out by the defense, <laughs> by the DOD. It is weird. I, it just feels like a personal family moment that is like, yeah, I guess it's heartwarming. I mean, it's also nice because... I'm sure anybody who can relate to that in any type of way, uh-huh. like it's good to see that kind right. of happiness, but also. I mean, like, for instance, Putty is at camp right now. And when he comes back home and gets off that van and reunites with me, like, I'm going to really relate to that kind of moment, <laughs> but I'm not going to film it. Has he been gone for like 48 hours? No, it'll have been a week. Okay. I, uh, but I will not have been at war. <laughs> I will have been in Colorado. Yeah. I'm also someone who comes from a family where, like, nobody... Uh, I don't know. I feel like when I went to college, the lead-up to it was as if I were, like, moving across the world. Yeah. Like, really being launched into space. Yeah. Possibly to my death. And then the actual day, there was, like, no emotion at all. So that's that's the psyche that I'm bringing Next, this is the piece of art that makes me cry consistently. And I'm, I'm unfortunately going to give a platform to Kanye West, <laughs> who is now, I, I know he's got his own thing going on. <laughs> his song Only One with Paul McCartney. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although I think Paul McCartney just plays the guitar in the background. But yeah, it's like, it's uh, for his dead mom. Yeah, when his daughter was born and he yeah. wrote it for her Right. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty touching song. Just like every, there, it's impossible to listen to it without me crying. Mm-hmm. Even thinking about it makes me sad. <laughs> it's just like beautiful, and also I I do genuinely feel like it makes me understand him. Oh, in a way that like you know, I I get he's going through it, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as well, I will give him that. That song is. The thing that is emotionally manipulative to me. And finally, this is one that everybody knows. The fucking first scene of Up. Classic. They were like, oh, look, she all of her babies are dead. My, and now she's dead. My mom, uh, back in the day she, when she was a substitute teacher and Up first came out and all the kids had already seen it. But she went in and the teacher was like, hey, just play Up for them. And so she put on Up and she just stood in the back of the room sobbing. <laughs> and all the kids turned around and were like, Miss Finkel, are you OK? And she was like, I'm <laughs> you shouldn't do that to teachers. They're too important. Pixar. To <laughs> oh, I was like, she did it to herself. No, she Pixar did it up. to my mom. Yeah, I was a, a very, this is uh, only tangentially related to that. Cool. When I was in preschool, I, when I was like four, I would come home every day and be like crying and my mom was like, what the fuck is happening at this preschool? Oh, no. <laughs> and finally, one day she like went in and was like, why is my child crying every time? And it turns out it was because the girl who sat next to me, her dog died. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had such empathy for her like sadness oh, that wow. I would come home crying every day. <laughs> But also, fuck that girl. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. God damn. Now uh, you're ruining my day. My my two hours that I spend at preschool <laughs> because your dog died? Ugh. All right. Well, now we got all of our sadness out and we can get on to our next segment that will hopefully make us not sad. We got Dwayne Perkins coming right up. My guest complainer today is comedian Dwayne Perkins. He just came off of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival where he was featured as one of the new faces this year. He's been seen on MTV's Wild and Out and he's currently writing for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of my fave shows. Welcome, Dwayne. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we are uh, across the country for, from one another at the moment, but we're going to do our best to pretend like we're we're in the same room, living it up. 
Yes, our energies are in sync. <laughs> exactly. So I I saw you a couple of times at Union Hall, and we'd never gotten to meet. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. You definitely bring Thanks. the energy. <laughs> I'm I'm amazed whenever anybody can dance anywhere, uh, let alone in the middle of a stand up set. So. You, you're doing it. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> but I remember one of the first things that I'd seen um, that so many people shared was you did a cameo as Beyonce as part of a Michelle Wolf uh, joke. I don't know what, what you want to call a segment. And so many people shared it. If you're listening, everybody should go Google Dwayne and Beyonce right now. Had you performed as Beyonce before? It's, it seemed very natural. No, I haven't. What was That was such a fun segment. I was writing on uh, her show, and they knew that I danced just because I uh, used to be a dancer. I danced for like 10 years, and then I stopped dancing to do comedy. But I would still like take class and just like integrate physical movement into my comedy. So uh, Michelle Wolf, like right after, um, was it Beychella? Right after some performance where Beyonce and Jay-Z were like performing together and Beyonce was doing so much and Jay-Z was doing nothing, Michelle Wolf was like, I want to recreate this, but you as Beyonce. And I was like, girl, you ain't said nothing but a word. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's do it. And then she really just gave me like free reign. She was like, all right, you tell them how you want to look. You choreograph it, like do whatever you want. And I was like, this is a dream come true. <laughs> and um, what was funny is that like once after we filmed it, the showrunner was like, I literally had no idea that like you can like really dance. I thought this was just, just going to be like you being like comedically like moving. And she was like, no, you really were like dancing, dancing. And I was like, oh, honey, I didn't you thought I was going to not be serious? Like, I was trying to give you, like, <laughs> performance. <laughs> like, this was my moment. Uh, it was a fantastic wig. It was great. It was truly one of the best moments of my career so far. Just, like, as, like, a little gay boy just being like, oh, I get to be Beyonce with a budget that I would never have myself. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, it's so good. Like, you truly do not break character during the in entirety of it, which is the most beautiful part. You are you are committed. <laughs> there was a fan. I was really feeling... I, I could have kept going. I would love to just, like, be Beyonce all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, Shangela just performed in front of Beyonce as Beyonce. So I feel like that is, I you know, know, not without... I saw that... And yeah. I was so jealous. I was like, oh, what a dream. <laughs> Stole my goals. It's within the realm of possibility. I'm, we, we can manifest this. We can. I believe it. But yeah, you. I mean, you said this, but I, I was reading that you're technically trained as ballet and hip hop. Yeah. So in high school, uh, when I was trying to find myself, I was uh, like first a football player. I was a jog for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, I don't care about this at all. Uh, they are too serious and I don't want to be physically hurt. So then I quit and I joined my uh, school's dance team and I was a sophomore in high school. And at the time I was like, oh, this is too gay. I'm not ready yet. Uh, <laughs> and then I started improv and sketch. And then uh, the improv and sketch coach was also the director for the musicals. And she was like, you should do the musicals. So I started doing musicals. And from there, I like trained in like jazz ballet i um was in like a couple dance companies did some music videos i did a show with the paris opera ballet and then um there was a point where i was working at second city in chicago and on a dance company at the same time and i was like i can't physically do both of these because i don't have time and i chose comedy but dancing is still like a big part of my life i just remember in that moment where i had to choose I remember my last audition for that ballet show was the first step was just us taking off our shirts and then them walking up and down the line, cutting people based on like how their body looks. And I was like, I, don't, I can't do this for too long. Like, this is crazy. Comedy yeah. was just like the, the easier choice. And I was like, well, I can at least like do comedy like my whole life. Like this, it's not dependent on like my body. Right. So I chose comedy and I was like, I can just, if I want to dance, I'll just write it into something where I dance. Uh, so I figured comedy was the umbrella thing where I can still dance and do comedy. And if I chose dancing, I feel like I would have had to give up on comedy. Right, right. I mean, yeah, if anything, comedy is like the opposite. The People want you to look like a slob. I, I've been in uh, like shows at 
Second City where I've been told to dance less good because I was pulling too much <laughs> uh, attention and I was deeply offended. Like, how dare you tell me to do my shine? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know there's so many people now who also are incorporating like music and and like songs and stuff into their comedy. And uh, yeah, it's sometimes alarming when you're, when you're like, oh, they're like actually amazing at this other thing. It's impressive. So when I was at JFL, I was watching the um, character showcase and it was truly some of the most impressive stuff I've ever seen. And I was just blown away. And I was just kept thinking like, stand up is a scam. We are just standing there talking. <laughs> they were doing all kinds of things. They had props. They were singing, dancing. It was just like impressive. And I was just sitting there thinking like, oh, I wish I had power to give them jobs because I, I am so impressed by like talents and skills. Yeah. It's, it's both amazing as like a, an observer and then like, you know, terrifying as someone who's also trying to do the same thing, you know, part of yes. the struggle. <laughs> That's just life. <laughs> I did have that thought because when I first, uh, the very first time I auditioned for just for laughs, I did it for the characters. And as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I definitely was not good enough to be picked for this. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, they are so good. But for stand up, I was like, oh, this is fine. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you you said you're from Chicago. I'm also from Chicago. South oh, like, turn up. I did not know that. Yeah. Love Chicago. How you, so you were there, you went to school there, right? Yeah, I, I grew up there and then I went to college there. Nice. And then started getting into comedy um, while you were there, joined Second City and all of that. What is the kind of comedy origin story? Uh, what is it? Okay, so it did start in high school where um, I went from the jock to the comedian. And then uh, it's very, like, Dangerous Minds blindside. Like, one white woman was like, Dwayne, you can do it. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, she was my improv coach. Her name was, uh, there was two of them. It was Lisa Ehrlich and, um, and Miss Miller, Sarah Miller. Because at that point, I didn't know that, like, acting and comedy was, like, an actual career path i thought it was just something that like special people are chosen for yeah and uh in my senior year i was doing into the woods the musical and i was the baker killing it uh <laughs> it was such a fun musical uh and they were like hey you should audition for a conservatory and i was like i don't know what that is and they were like well just go to this one school and audition so my senior year i applied to a bunch of schools all for art and then for one school I applied for their acting conservatory and I got in and I was like oh I should go because that seems like a sign so I went that freshman year and then the school that I went to had a cut system so I was cut out of the major after my freshman year and so uh, I then auditioned for NYU and I got in, but I couldn't afford to go because systemic oppression. Uh, <laughs> right. And <laughs> so I uh, stayed at DePaul where I switched my major. But then my sophomore year, I was on a dance team at school. And um, I did a show and my current best friend messaged me. And she was like, hey, I saw you on this dance team you're good. Do you want to be friends? And we were like, sure. So we joined a dance team together. And then she was like, hey, I do comedy at Second City and there's no other black people here. Can you please come do this with me? And I was like, okay, sure. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, love this. This is dope. I should do this uh, forever. And that's kind of like how it started within like improv, like seriously doing improv and sketch, like getting paid for it. And then me and her started writing our own stuff. And we wrote our very first show called Uncle Tom and Jerry Curl. It was a Black History Month show. <laughs> Love it. And, and that got us both hired at Second City. And then we wrote our second show, which was, which was called uh, Beyonce featuring Jesus. So on the break was not the first time I played Beyonce. It was just the first time I played Beyonce with the budget. Uh, uh, and then from there, I started doing stand-up. And then I uh, worked on, I got hired for while and out and then I moved to New York after that to write on the break and then um that got canceled then I moved to Los Angeles and now I'm writing on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and that's been like the the simplified journey yeah 
You've done like so many things. I am, I'm like exhausted just thinking about <laughs> all of the shit that you do. Because I was reading, um, you you wrote on the Super Bowl Groupon commercial featuring Tiffany Haddish. Oh yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That just said it. It's that line was on your website, and I thought it was funny. A that that is a thing at all, and B that you got to work on it. Yeah, so when I was in Chicago, I was doing like freelance advertising work, writing like copy for um uh-huh, uh-huh. for like this advertising company and Groupon was one of their clients. Uh it's it's so different from like being in stuff cuz you're like, "Oh, I'm on the other and like there's like no like fancy stuff. You're just like in a conference room like writing and then suddenly there's a Super Bowl commercial and you're like, "Oh, that came from the things that we wrote, but we had no idea how it was going to turn out." But it was, like, really cool and, like, very, like, more simple than I thought it would be. Yeah. I do think that that is a thing that it's hard for me and a lot of other people to kind of wrap their heads around of writing for someone else's voice in any context of, like, you know, if you're writing on a show, a show that you haven't created, how do you kind of, like, get your head into this space of someone else's creation yes it's very hard i have a a stand-up joke about working at the break and getting notes uh that some of the things that i wrote that michelle couldn't say because she sounded like a bigot and i'd be (laughs) like oh you're right (laughs) she is a white woman and i am a gay black man that is like that's something that i did not know that i would have to like process of being like oh when you write a good joke and it comes from else from someone else's mouth like you don't get credit for it right so like like no one knows that like you did it like you know and like your coworkers know but like as a as a person that's not just a writer there's like that part of me that like loves like the attention and acknowledgement as a performer so to like put myself in that space where i was like oh i'm like like my job is to write for this person and make and amplify their voice. That was something I had to like really like learn how to do. Cause I was, my whole career has been focused on like my identity and speaking towards that point of view. So to like really be like, Oh, your identity does not matter for the first time was like hard to deal with. And then once I figured it out was like extremely freeing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. I feel like, yeah, there's not, I think Seth Meyers tries to do, uh, he does a pretty good job of like, you know, bringing out his writers who are not white men like him and saying like, you know, these are the people who are, who are writing the jokes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. Like I enjoy Seth for that Meyers, like Amber Ruffin is like a good friend of mine. But yeah, like late night as like a, a genre is and has been like historically so straight and and white so it's just so nice when anybody puts any effort into trying to showcase a voice that's not theirs absolutely i also think i the process of writing for a white house correspondence dinner is also baffling to me (laughs) yeah how did that come about was it just kind of the the michelle wolf association it was exactly that. Like, we got hired for the show, and then, like, the first week or so, they were like, oh, also, she's doing the White House Correspondence Dinner, so, like, y'all will help with that. Right, As right. we were working on the show, we would just get an email, like, hey. Like, she wrote, I would say, like, most of it. And she would just, like, ask us for, like, spots where we can add jokes. So we would just, like, pitch jokes based around, like, people or topics she was, like, looking to, like, add more to. Mm-hmm. So she had, like, the entire skeleton so we she knew exactly what she wanted to say and we would just be like oh well here's a joke you probably didn't think of or like um like one joke in particular that i wrote was like a a joke that was calling sarah huckabee sanders a the uh uncle tom of white women and i feel like (laughs) as like the like sole black person on that writing staff i feel like i was the only person that could present a joke like that Uh and she was like yo this is a great joke i'm going to say it and um the joke was included in like the um republican national convention like video for like the the left is so terrible and i was like i just literally wrote a joke that the right (laughs) is using as fodder to ruin you and she was like it's a great joke like she was she blew my mind because to see her like go through that process and see like all the like 
terrible stuff that people were saying and she still came into work every day just like so happy and normal and I was like how are you doing this like you are like a special person like she just really handled it with like such grace and she was always just like so focused on like the joke and so it was just like an interesting thing to be like oh I wrote this joke that is getting a lot of heat but she said it so she's taking that heat and that and that's like her like duty it felt like i was she felt like a real leader so i'll transition a little bit to brooklyn 99 and like what is the what is the process and uh of of kind of writing on a show like that for you how do you balance that with trying to kind of you know stay a stand up and and perform and kind of do all the other stuff you want to do um it's not harder it's just like a different muscle that i'm learning uh, so I feel more tired at the end of the day because I'm like, I'm not just like writing jokes. I'm thinking about like characters and like their feelings. And like, it feels like you are, you have like this new group of friends that you have to like know about their lives. Uh, one thing that was helpful though, is that I was a fan of the show before I, I got hired. And every job I had prior to that was like either a new show or something that I didn't like know about. And so coming into the seventh season, I'm like, oh, I know these characters. I know these voices. So it's been like a, an easy transition. Um, but because we the schedules is hard to like nail down. So I don't know when I'm leaving sometimes. So it's hard to like schedule shows because you're like, well, I don't want to schedule this show. And then suddenly we have to stay later because like a taper read didn't go well or something like crazy happens. And you're like, well, I now I have to cancel this show. And you don't want to be the person that's always canceling shows. So you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't do stand up right now. So right now I'm just like in that period of trying to figure out like what's the best way to use my time. Because I also don't want to like overwork myself and be like a zombie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm currently like in the like in the process of figuring out what my scheduling is. So I, I still do shows like when I can. And my like bosses are very nice. Like when I got uh, JFL, they were like, "Of course you should go. <laughs> like go have fun." Um, and it's like an environment that's because the the characters of the show are all like friends and they love each other we try to have the room be pretty similar so it's like really chill we like play games our the way we pick lunch is insane there's like a bunch of raffles and games and weird <laughs> things <laughs> uh there was just a uh an article in the hollywood reporter that like uh just showed our lunch process because it's that insane like but they've like they've because they've done this for seven seasons, they've created this system where like fun is built into the day so that you don't go crazy. So it feels like camp. Uh, it's a very strange and weird job that I am obsessed with. I also I just Googled the Hollywood Reporter article and this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this, there's Truly. a whole like flow chart to explain this lunch wheel. It, it looks yes. like something from The Price is Right. And mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like this is like, this could save relationships. The, the number of times that people just don't know where they're going to eat. But that's amazing. I feel like, you know, with any creative thing, especially comedy, it's like, you know, you have to be in, in the comedy mood. Yes. And, and that's what's weird. Like when I first got the job, I was like so taken aback by like the culture and then within like the the like couple of weeks, you just like get dragged in, and then you're like, yeah, this is what it is, and this is like low key real fun. Like this is like it's such a unique culture that only exists within those walls. Because then like once you leave, you're like back in normal life. But like within those walls, you're like, oh, they've created a world within these seven seasons, and like you just like walk into this world that you just like have to like adjust to. And it's like I just never had a job like like that and it's like really fun like it just has like forced me to like open my mind to like how things can work and i'm just like oh and that's why the show is so fun because so many things on the show just happens in our room because like the show is like a workplace comedy and we're working in a place where we write comedy so it just like makes sense that a lot of things as a group translate well to like the squad so it's just like, it's been like really dope to see like, oh, this thing that we just did is now in the show. 
Like that is crazy. Like, and I'm yeah. going to be able to like watch this when it comes on and and say like we literally did this thing that we're now watching Andy Samberg do. Right. It's like really cool. I want to move into a, a game that we call Elaborate, which is where uh, we found some tweets where you've expressed your dislike of things, and I just want to elaborate on some of them. I'll do my best not to just read your tweets verbatim back at you because I know that's it's like everyone's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, because I'm definitely thinking like, what have I said? <laughs> I'm about to get canceled. <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. Um, these are just, you know, basically if you use the word hate or the worst, you know, I want to chat about it. Um, Got it. This one, this one was about hating the fact that you spent decades perfecting the craft of cursive writing, and now it's not a thing anymore, which I deeply identify with. Yes, my handwriting is elegant and beautiful, and no one cares. <laughs> I'm furious about it. Like, when I was younger, so my mother convinced me that in, in order to be successful at all, you have to be, like intellectually perfect so when i was in school i would just be like i have to be the best or i'm gonna be a crackhead because that was just truly what my like that was my mother's way of like telling me that like this is what's going to happen and so i would i had these like cursive writing books that i would uh like practice just constantly just being like well this is beautiful and in my head i'm like well this is how smart rich people write so if I just like focus on writing this way, then I will, will eventually be rich. And then I went to um, high school and um, everything was computers. And I was like, oh, this was a, a waste of my time. I know. I'm still salty about it, too. I feel like, you know, I, I spent so much time perfecting it. And now I, people can't even read it when you actually try to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Another one. Uh, my dislike of coffee has been Trump, but my necessity of coffee, because I'm so tired all the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, a, I don't like a lot of, uh, like, I don't like coffee. I don't really like tea. Uh, when I started working at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, everybody would, there was always like coffee runs. Yeah. And I was just like, why is everybody always drinking coffee all the time? And then right around like week, like five or six, I was like, Oh, because this is tiring. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got coffee twice. I got the first time I got a vanilla latte, which I was like, this is fine. And the second time we went to some place that like didn't have that. So the uh, PA got me some like mocha something and I don't like chocolate and it was disgusting. And, then, uh, and, and it was very funny because she's she's my favorite. She's so sweet. And she like asked me, like, the, the first time she like got the latte, I was like, oh, this is fine. This is great. So the second time that she got that gross coffee, she like came up to me like, oh, so how did you like it? And I was like, it was devastatingly disgusting. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for trying. And then that was the last time I drank coffee. Then I just realized that like I had to find other ways to like energize myself. So now I just like get up, take, a, take some walks. Ugh, coffee, is just, it just doesn't taste good. And I feel like to have the effect that you want it to have, you have to drink so much of it. And I just have to find a way to find a substitute because it's just nasty <laughs> and I don't want it in my body. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm amazed that it took you until you started at Brooklyn Nine-Nine to realize people are just constantly drinking coffee everywhere. <laughs> um, but maybe, I don't know, I grew up around like maniacs who need it. I was something that has recently happened instead of um, like my morning coffee, I, I recently started like working out more so instead of drinking coffee i do 50 burpees and that okay. has been helping <laughs> i mean that Gets sounds <laughs> i would rather fucking drink coffee than doing that so <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh but 50 bur i can't even do one burpee <laughs> i i i do them in like chunks i can't do them straightforward or okay, i will okay. die <laughs> I yeah will pass away mm -hmm. okay that's that's better i guess um <laughs> i'll do uh one more um this i i also agree with it. people on social media that have thousands millions of followers and they follow like three people i i just think that's like it's just it feels like anti-social media they're like why are you on it like go to like an advertising place like it just seems like so weird like so like 
weirdly like selfish yeah be like i will i will give you things but i will i want nothing from any of you <laughs> that just seems very like you don't want to take in anyone's content like i guess i get it to like an extent like if i was beyonce i feel like i'd be very tired and i'd be like i don't want anyone else's like information in my brain but it also still feels weird like you wouldn't want to like even follow like your friends like Right. <laughs> you don't want to see, like, what your friends are doing? Like, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Beyonce is the only person who can, like, vaguely get away with it. <laughs> but also, she 100% has a burner account, and she is reading everything we're all saying. So... 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, like, and, and maybe if, like, I get to a point of, like, success where I, like, now, like, get it, then I'll, like have a retraction and be like some time ago I uh, <laughs> thought that like it was uh, not okay <laughs> to uh, follow people but now I follow no one so I get it we'll, yeah we will see <laughs> everyone tries to emulate the like not everybody but you know there's the Beyonce like you drop the album no announcement middle of the night and it's like no Beyonce mm. fucking worked for that for she had to yeah. wear <laughs> House of Darion <laughs> She fucking wore <laughs> Tina Knowles shitty costumes long enough to be able to do that. <laughs> right? I'm like, she was in the Pink Panther movie. Let her have it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, all right. Well, before we have you go, where can people find you and your work? Great. You can find me on uh, Instagram at uh, Dwayne K. Perkins. That's D-E-W-A-Y-N-E. There's another Dwayne Perkins who's also a comedian. He's supposed to say D-W and I'm not him. So it's D-E-W-A-Y-N-E K. Perkins. Uh, and on Twitter, it's at Dwayne Perkins. Uh, and my website is DwaynePerkins.com. Amazing. And any other upcoming projects or anything? Uh, I'm currently writing a one-man show <clears throat> called How Being Black and Gay Made Me Better Than You. <laughs> um, I sold my first movie, which is cool. Uh, I can't say what it is because it hasn't been announced yet, but that would be cool. That would be an upcoming project I'm excited about. And hopefully it'll be announced soon and I can talk about it. Amazing. Well, we'll have to have you back when all of the other exciting stuff comes out. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down easy. Start with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you watching? I finished Losa Spookies. I started Losa Spookies. You started Spookies. it? Oh, my God. So, first of all, Losa Spookies is from the minds of Julio Torres, Ana Fabrega, and Fred Armisen. It's an HBO show. It got picked up for a second season. Mm-hmm. It's only, what, six episodes? Uh, sure. Half hour comedy, just weird as fuck. And mostly it's, in Spanish. Mostly in Spanish. Um, and it's just, I, I loved it. Like it's, it was just like weird and fun and a world I've never like seen before. Um, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's, it, I, I've really been into it. Um, and I loved the finale and, oh, and Greta Teitelman is in it. Previous guest complainer. Yeah. Um, so that was great. And she has a pretty amazing role. <laughs> Have you where how far are you in it? Maybe. I only watched the first episode. Oh, then you you don't even know yet. Yeah. Um, but how did you feel about that first episode? It was good. I definitely well, based on the first episode, I expected it to be like even weirder. It is de- it's like grounded in reality. Yes, but it gets less real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got that sense from the like next up on. Yeah. The like pr- next scenes. Yeah. That it I haven't watched. Definitely yeah. detaches. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's weird because it's about a group of people who are like who like create horror situations. Yeah. So like each episode is a different kind of horror situation that they have to make. Um so yeah, that's what I'm watching. What are you watching? So I watched Los of Spookies. Uh, and then I also started watching High Maintenance. <gasps> yeah, do you never seen High Maintenance? I still know. Wait, did you start with the web series that's on HBO or did you start with the HBO? I show? started with the HBO. You gotta go back and watch the web series. Okay, I'll go. They're back. short. They're short episodes. They're like seven minutes. Some of them get a little longer. And then HBO picked it up. I see. So some of the characters are from the web series. So are they all on HBO? Yeah, but Go they're or in whatever? they're in two sections. There's HBO High Maintenance, and then there's like High Maintenance Web Series. I think it's called. 
Got it. But okay. yeah, but yeah. How do you how do you feel about it? Because I've only watched like an episode and a half. That is probably one of my favorite. Like it's in my top three favorite shows, probably of all time. Yeah, I, I really, really love that show. They they scouted my house for the next season, but then they didn't. They I, we like got a note on our door being like HBO, like HBO series high maintenance is interested in shooting at your house. Like if you're interested, give us a call. And they came by, but I think they passed, which I understand. There's no natural light in my apartment, and there's a lot of other things that are wrong with it. Right. But, I like how you say I I think they passed. Well, because they told me they told me that it was going to happen like July 25th, and they never followed I see, up. I see. Yeah, um, that has passed. But yeah, I like it. I mean, it's hard to say because I've only seen like an episode and a yeah. half, and I don't know. I'm assuming every episode is an entirely different series of characters. Yes, but they start overlapping, and yeah. like there are. That's why I'm saying to watch the web series because some of those characters come back in different ways, and slowly but surely, like there is an over overarching kind of plot um, yeah i guess we should say for people who have seen none of it oh yeah that it is about the like customers of a weed dealer and yeah. all of their weird crazy lives yeah so it's like there's stories that these people have nothing to do with one another it's just like weird little vignettes yeah but it's fun uh, so that's what I've been watching. What's your non-TV chaser? Oh, I got these new headphones that are so crazy fancy <laughs> that have like active noise cancellation. I've never had that before. And it does it in like smart technology. So you'll be on your commute and it'll like adjust so that you can't hear the train. And then you get off and you're walking around and it adjusts it so that it's like it, it, it's wild and they're such good quality and everything sounds beautiful and I pranked my boyfriend <laughs> because I was like listen to, listen to these amazing headphones you can't even hear the AC unit in the other room and he put them on and I just blasted all star by smash mouth <laughs> but, <laughs> great but <prank>. they're great <laughs> they're great headphones and I love them and I like I you know you don't get new headphones often if you're responsible <laughs> yeah i'm so. making a face because i think i'm ha- gonna have to buy my fourth pair of airpods well okay airpods are different this is over the head headphones i feel like are hard to lose right but um but yeah so that is my chaser and then another short one is just that i think like just randomly calling friends who you haven't talked to in a bit also family members it's like the whole like let's schedule a time to skype or schedule a time to talk that almost never works for me because i'm almost always going to prioritize something else if something else comes up i'm like well that's just a phone call right but just like picking up the phone and calling a friend is just really fun and enjoyable and can lead to some wonderful conversations so that and you know what uh, is even better now? Uh, making those phone calls with my new headphones that have eight <laughs> microphones for enhanced phone call experience. Why do they have so many? I don't know. I don't know how this technology works. What? Uh, what's your chaser? My chaser for going with uh, dumb things like yours uh, is going for walks. That's my thing. Yeah. So people have started to see it because you actually don't know what I look like based on this podcast alone. I was I assume most people think that I am a 50-year-old black woman. Actually. Mm, yes, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Which is accurate. No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> also but, your photo is is, you know, on the logo. Uh red herring. That is to throw off throw off the scent. Sure. No, I feel like people have asked, uh, like, what I'm doing to, like, lose weight. Oh. uh Even though I've talked a bunch about having a trainer. Yeah, listen to a podcast. (laughs) But also, I only see this guy, like, three times a week, which is a lot. That's a lot. What are you talking about? Only. That's (laughs) many times. But uh, all the days that I don't see him, uh, he has me go on, like, at least a 30-minute walk. Supposed to be without checking social media at all. I think he thinks my job is way more stressful than it is, and that the point is to like de stress and like separate. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the couch most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly need something to like hype me up. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely intimidating by a running at all, yeah. but especially running in public. Uh huh. Um, I don't understand how people do it, Mm-mm. especially when it's like 90 degrees outside. No, that's just dangerous. Yeah. So, but I feel like a walk is one of those things that like is actually, if you're going for a 30 minute walk, it doesn't even have to be that. That it's like, yeah, it doesn't take that much energy. You can totally do it very easily if you're able. 
And uh, yeah, I like feel like I've accomplished a little bit of something at the end of it. I love walking. Yeah. When I was little, I like wanted to be a professional speed walker, (laughs) which also says a lot about like (laughs) how I feel about exercise. (laughs) Sure. Like I didn't want to be a runner. Right. Just a a speed walker. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also, I, I've been trying now to, like, pick a podcast and listen to that. That's mm-hmm. why I've been listening to This American Life. You got to listen to The Body Genius. Oh, yeah. It's the, yeah. Any, anyone listening, you should listen to The Body Genius. It's great. It's a fiction comedy noir that's on the truth. And it's about a Hollywood personal trainer who gets framed for his client's murder. And it's very funny. Yeah, I do need another one also because, yeah, I love This American Life. But also, if you binge this, it's like hard to binge. Yeah. I, I could actually binge it, but it's all like there are so many times in an episode where I'm like, shit, I need to sit and think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and if you listen to too many at once, it gets lost. Yeah. yeah. That's it for this week's Unhappy Hour. Thank you for listening. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if you got something nice to say. All right? Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Spirits, watch the heavens open. Open. Open.